0: You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbc I'm excited about you being here. I know this is a little different doing just one song and then going right into our message time, but um, we really wanted to get you to have a chance to where you could uh, respond to what we're talking about. So we put the rest of our uh, stuff at the end. I like um, I like our little Mumfordy set up here. It's, it's different. I like it. You like different? Good. You're staring at me. Super. All right. Tell me this by show of hands. How many of you have ever met a legit celebrity? Yeah. All right. You should tell me all those stories later. I've never met a legit celebrity. I've only met like fake local celebrities. This guy named Kip Tyner, he was a local weather guy. I saw him one time, it was awesome. Um, how many of you, let me ask you this, a different question, a little bit, little bit different. How many of you have ever, ever been in one of those crowds of people, you know, where there's like the metal gate, right? And there's like this massive humanity trying to like high five a celebrity. Have you ever stood like in one of those piles of people? That sounds awful to me. I've never done that. There's like, so two of us have stood in the pile of humans. Who were who you trying to? Okay. Oh, cute. Hannah, who were you trying to, who were you trying to high five? Biebs, the Biebs. Wow. That's perfect. (laughs) She's like, I do it all over again. It was totally worth it. Right. I've never been in one of these scenarios, but I I can imagine, I can imagine being in one of these piles of people trying to high five some celebrity or whatever. And uh, I know exactly where I would be. Because, you know, you, you've seen this, you've seen like the pictures or whatever, and there's the, the metal guardrail and the cops and stuff, right? And there's the three or four people, like deep, and they're all kind of leaning over one another and their arms can make it out far enough where they might get to like touch a different human, which they're touching like 30 humans, there's this other human they got to get a high five from, right? And, but if you're not in those first three rows of people, you're just out of luck. Right? I always feel bad for those people that they didn't quite get there early enough or whatever and they weren't like mean enough to push to the front. And so they're, they're row four and they're just standing there with their iPhone like it's not where I'm not even gonna try to reach you. I'm just gonna take a blurry picture of the side of your head, right? I know where I would be. I, I wouldn't be rows one through three. I probably wouldn't even be row four because I don't care about blurry pictures of side of people's heads. I'd be the guy in like the last back row. I would have like made my way to the back. I'd be standing with my arms crossed looking annoyed jerks that's how I'd feel like I would just be in the back being annoyed and frustrated about all the mean people that made it up to the front that's what would happen to me and there's something very real about that where where there's it feels like some people make it and some people get to experience stuff and sometimes we're kind of in the background and we actually don't get to to fully engage we don't get to experience what they get to experience we're stuck in the back sometimes we feel like that with Jesus don't we where there seems like there's some people, maybe some people in your friend group who just are closer to Jesus than you. Like somehow they got to the front of the pack and them and Jesus are like sharing secrets or whatever. And you're the, you're the chump that's like back here in the back row, like with your arms crossed, looking frustrated. Sometimes it feels like maybe there's some people in greenhouse that just get it on a different level than you or something. And, and somehow, I don't know if they arrived early to the party or what, but they've, they've arrived. They get to have this experience or whatever. And then you don't sometimes we, we, you feel like you're you're stuck in the back where there's so much stuff between you and jesus if it's other people are further ahead of you but this in life there seems like there's so much so many things that get stacked up between us that no matter how hard you were to reach out no matter how hard you were to stretch forward and try to try to make contact you'd never get there you ever feel like that that no matter how hard you reach no matter how hard you stretched out you're just you're, you can't you can't reach him and it's frustrating when it sees these other people that seem like they've, they've arrived. If that's you, um, I want you to know I, I, I've been there. I think all of us have been there. All of us at one point or another are, find ourselves in this point in our relationship with God where there's so much mess between us and him that we're not really sure how to proceed, what to do about it. And so a lot of times what we do is just stand in the back frustrated. We cross our arms and even if we're not like physically like in the back of a worship space, we're, we're just standing back away from God annoyed that we don't, we don't know how to perceive. I don't know what to do about this. I, this isn't exactly the way I would want it, but I don't know what to do about it. So what do you do about that? What do you do about that? If you feel distant, if you feel like you just can't connect, what do you do? There's this beautiful story in Luke chapter 19. is where we're going to be tonight. Um, and it's a story that, uh, that speaks directly to this. About what do you do about this distance? But the the problem with this story, particularly, um, is that there's a nursery rhyme like little like little kid story about it. So if you're if you've grown if you've grown up in church, you know this song, and then that makes this passage seem trite and childish, when in reality it's nothing but. So this is one of those passages that you're really familiar with if you've grown up in church and it just washes over you and you don't listen to it, you don't get anything out of it because your head just immediately goes to this dumb song and it completely destroys your interaction with God's word. So if we can, we're gonna not go back to like VBS world, okay? And we're gonna just take a new perspective, new eyes at the story of Zacchaeus, that wee little man. Luke chapter 19, and the story begins in verse 1. It goes all the way through verse 10. And it begins, and it says that, that Jesus uh, was, he, he entered into Jericho. It was a town, it was a big town, and, uh, and was passing through it. He wasn't, like, going to go stay in Jericho for a long time. He was just kind of making a beeline through Jericho. He was passing through. So he's not going to be there for, like, weeks on end. So it's like if the beebs, you know, lands at Huntsville Airport, then all of us drive down there to, like, Laugh at him or whatever. It's like Trump's going to be here Sunday, and there's going to be people that go get an airplane hanger and like, Lur! right? And then that's going to be their experience. He's gonna get back on the airplane. He's going to leave. So Jesus is passing through, just like Trump's going to do to us on Sunday, and uh, and it was a thing, right? So a crowd of people, uh, a crowd of people gather around, and they're like swarming around to see Jesus. Exactly that same scenario. There's this crowd of people, they assemble, and they're swarming around Jesus. It says that, uh, behold, there was this guy there named Zacchaeus. And it says that he was a chief tax collector and was really, really rich. All right, so that's, that's important to note here. Um, Jesus repeatedly uh, in his ministry would talk about the barrier that wealth creates between people and God. He repeatedly talked about this barrier that wealth creates between people and God, where it just it doesn't... It, how, wealth does something to you. Wealth does something to you where it, it, it convinces you that you're powerful and independent and that, that you don't really need God. And that's problematic. Um, so so repeatedly throughout scripture, it, it talks about how, how wealth can be this really strong barrier between uh, people and God. And, and additionally, tax collectors were basically thieves. They were just generally rotten people. So they, uh, it's not like how we do our taxes. You go to like your tax person or you know, you, uh, what's the app, uh, TurboTax or whatever. They didn't have TurboTax. They had Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus got to make the rate whatever he wanted. So he had, a, he knew what the rate had to be, and if he wanted to fudge a little bit, add a little bit on, he got to keep that. So he's literally taking, like, stealing money from people dishonestly that are that are his, his friends and neighbors. So it's this guy who's got this barrier of wealth in his heart. He's got this barrier of thievery in his heart. And so he's, he's not somebody that you're going to just imagine coming out of the gate, being really close to Jesus. All right. So Jesus is passing through, there's this huge crowd that forms and Zacchaeus has this very real barrier between him and God. So that's where we find him. And, but it goes on in verse three, it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. I think most of us come to greenhouse and come, or come to church in general because of that very reason. I think most of us, I mean, some of you were here because somebody invited you and you just showed up and that's cool. I'm glad you're here. But most of us come back. Most of us repeatedly come to this place because we genuinely want to see who Jesus is. And if you haven't come to a point where you've like, you've really figured all this stuff out and you've come to a point where you've trusted that Jesus is um, king of kings and Lord of lords, where you've placed your faith in him, if you haven't done that yet, I think the reason you're here is because you're trying to figure out if he really is who he said he was. You're trying to figure out if this Jesus actually is God or if he's some fairy tale or something. You're here trying to see who he is. It's exactly what Zacchaeus was doing. And if you're a Christian in the room, the reason that you come back time and time again, I hope, is because you want to get to know him more and more and more. You want to know who he is in a deep abiding kind of way. So Zacchaeus, he, had, he, he was there for the exact same reason we were there. He wanted to figure out who this Jesus was. He had this, but, but the beautiful thing about the story is that Zacchaeus didn't stop at just a desire to see Jesus. He didn't stop at a desire. A desire to see Jesus was not enough for him. So it goes on, it says, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't see. Because on the account of the crowd, he could not see because he was small in stature. That's embarrassing. You get in the Bible and talk about how short you are. Where are my short people at? If you consider yourself short, would you just own up to it? I'm with you, man. And so when I hang out with our 10th, 11th, 12th graders, I feel very, very short. You're all jerks, right? Like I, just, I, just do, I don't know what happens. Like people in ninth grade now, every ninth grade guy gets taller than me. And if you're not, I like you. Way to be. Way to hold off, right? At least make it to like junior year. I mean, at least be fair to me. But anyway, so, I'm, so I get this. I get, I get what it feels like to be, you know, kind of the shorter guy in the room sometimes. And so Zacchaeus is in this crowd and he, he can't, he wants to see who this Jesus is. He's come for this express purpose to try to figure out who this Jesus is. Same reason we come to places like this, to try to figure out who this guy is, except he can't even lay eyes on you been, in, have you ever been to a concert? Just nod your head with me if, if this is you. You've ever been to a concert and it's like floor level seating or something or a show or something and you're standing on the floor. And even if you're like fifth row or something, you're like right there and there's like monster tree people everywhere, right? And you end up having to do this like stupid bob and weave thing. You're like, like trying to like look through their armpit holes and stuff to try to like get a shot at whatever it is you paid, you know, $60 to see and all of you get to see is the back of some guy's head. Just wanna punch it, just, damn it. But you're too short, you can't reach it, right? So you've been in these situations, so that's exactly what's going on for him. He's, he's too short, he can't, he can't see. He wants to see Jesus, he wants to see who Jesus is. He's not there to see a show. He actually wants to get to know him. He wants to figure out, is there anything special about this guy? Is there anything real here? He wants to see, he wants to figure it out, but he can't. He's he's literally physically blocked from being able to figure out who this Jesus is in a deep and a real way. So I'll ask you this, a little bit metaphorically. What's blocking you from seeing Jesus? What's blocking you from getting to experience Jesus in a real way? What's, What's standing in your way? Man, those, those of you who are here just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who this Jesus is and if, if he actually is who he says he is. So we'll talk to you for a minute. Man, I, know, I know that you have questions. I know that there's some fuzzy detail stuff going on. They were like, I'm not really sure what all this part means or why y'all talk about this a lot. And there's some details that are a little bit fuzzy for you. I get that. All of us have, we're, were there at one point or another. But I know that you're here because you seriously want answers to those questions. So for you, I, th- I think, if, I'm, if, I'm, if, I, if I know teenagers are right, I think the thing that would be your barrier to knowing who Jesus is and getting to know him, to seeing Jesus, is fear. It's fear of asking a question. It's fear of being embarrassed of not knowing something. I, I, I talk to teenagers in this exact situation all the time. I remember getting to sit on those steps out there on the porch um, with, a, with a 10th grade guy. He's now graduated. Um, and I was sitting out there with this 10th grade guy because and, and he came up to me after Greenhouse and said, hey, can we talk? That's the phrase we tell teenagers to say, if you want to talk, just, if you can utter those words, <laughs> we will have a conversation with you. It'll be awesome. So he just walked up and said, Hey, can we talk? I like, yeah, man, I'd love to go talk. So we go sit on these steps out here and we sit down and everybody's kind of uh, doing their own thing. It's just, it's just he and I We're sitting out there and I'm like, oh, sorry, so what do you want to talk about? And it got kind of, it got kind of awkward. Like he's, he's kind of stumbling over his words, trying to figure out exactly how to form a question. It was almost like he didn't even know enough to ask a question. So I, he starts telling me a story. Well, I've, I've been coming for a little while, and um, there's just some stuff that I don't, I don't really know. And that's kind of interrupted him. I was like, I'm going to put you out of your misery here. Um, would it be helpful if I just kind of walked you through who Jesus is and, and what he did and, and why that matters? And this is like relief Watches me. He's like, yeah, that'd be great. And so I got to sit out there on, on that side of the step, like right outside that, those two doors and, and just got to sit there and walk through exactly who Jesus is and what he did and, and why that matters and how that brings life and peace and forgiveness. It's a conversation of how is somebody sitting right where you guys are. I've had another conversation right where you are. And, and it, we have these conversations all the time. And, and as those conversations flow and answers start being um, found out, as, as clarity comes, as the fog kind of clears, this joy and this relief starts kind of building up inside of these folks. I think you want clarity. I think you want answers. But I think sometimes the, thing, the one simple thing that holds you back from getting that clarity, getting those answers, is a conversation. And after a few minutes sitting back there on those steps, that guy ended up uh, asking Jesus to be a Savior and Lord. His eternity was changed because he walked up to an adult and said, hey, can we talk? And the same thing happened there and the same thing happened there. Same thing happens in the chapel commons a bunch. Same things happens in your small group homes at Disciple Nows and on fall retreats when somebody comes up and says, hey, can we talk? That's a lot of your stories when you finally got the boldness. So I'm saying to you, if if you're here tonight and you've got some questions, don't let the one thing that keeps you from Jesus, keeps you from answers, be just being too afraid to ask the questions. But for the Christians in the room, What's the thing that's keeping you from Jesus? What's the, th- what's the barrier? What's the thing that you can't get past? To so you can't get, you can't see him. You can't get to know him more and more. I think, I think for Christians it's a lot more complicated. Uh, my favorite author is a guy named A.W. Tozer. It's a really cool last name, Tozer. All right, so Tozer writes about this thing that he, he refers to as the inner veil. So stick with me. This is gonna get a little weird, okay? So you, you with me? Good. So he talks about this, this inner veil. It's this veil that he talks about being over our hearts. It's a veil that's over our hearts and it's built out of our sin. And usually our inner sin, like our self-righteousness and our self-assurance and our self-love and our self-appreciation and our, basically our pride. We think we're awesome. All that just kind of rotten stuff inside that we don't really think about that much. He talks about how our sin creates this inner veil over our hearts, and, and, that, and that prevents us from being able to see God clearly, it prevents us from being able to connect with God readily. So instead, when we, we come into places like this, we come into times on in a daily basis with God, and you sit down with your, your Bible, and you're supposed to spend time in prayer, and it just doesn't feel right, and you feel like you can't get past that weird, awkward thing. That's what he's talking about that inner veil. For you as believers, I think I think most of us are held back that the barrier that we, we're trying to see Jesus and we can't see Jesus clearly is because we've got this veil over our heart that's built by our sin and we don't do anything about it. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but there was a bunch of stuff on his way. And he didn't just shrug and just walk like stand in the back and look disappointed. He actively did something about it. He physically did something about it. This is what he did. Um, If you know the story, he he runs ahead of the crowd. So everybody's swarming around. Zacchaeus breaks out of the crowd and takes off running and gets ahead of them down the road where Jesus is going to be. He's like, I think he's going that way. He takes off running that way and he finds a tree and he climbs it which has got to be a little embarrassing. You're like the chief tax collector. He's a, he's, a, he's a rich guy in town. He's kind of a big deal. And like the rich big deal guy goes in like awkwardly climb. You ever seen an adult climb a tree? And this guy goes and like climbs a tree, like looking goofy, right? Just to get high enough. I mean, that's an easy thing to make fun of. Hey, that short guy's climbing a tree, <laughs> right? <laughs> he stole from me last week. Um, it's, it's that kind of scenario. And so he gets up there in this tree, but he doesn't care because he physically, he, he physically put himself in the way of Jesus. So he goes down there and he does that. And, and, and there's, something, there's something about that. There's something about that physical effort. I think a lot of times we have this desire to, to get to know Jesus. We have this desire to see Jesus more clearly. And if I asked you, hey, do you, do you want to grow in your relationship with God? You tell me, yeah, absolutely I do. And then I say, what have you physically done about that this week? Usually the answer is almost nothing. So a desire to get to know Jesus is, is wonderful. Zacchaeus had a desire to see Jesus, but he he didn't just stop when he was blocked by something. Whether that something is fear of asking a question or that thing is, is that inner veil built out of your sin. If you just stop at the desire and never put any action to that, what, what good is that? Where is that getting you? Zacchaeus runs down the runs on the road, jumps up in a tree so he can physically see him. I remember being in high school. Uh, I was I think I was uh, probably junior year. And I, was, I found myself in this situation where this inner veil thing was super huge for me. And I just I felt so, um, I just felt crazy. Like, this, you know, you're high school students, you know this. High school's nuts and there's just so much drama and there's boyfriends and girlfriends and all that mess. And there's just sin on top, just plain old sin, right? And all that got mixed together in my heart to a point where I just, I just could not connect with my father the way I wanted to. And you know, I try as I might, like I just, I couldn't get past it. It's never felt right. When I tried to spend time in prayer, it just felt awkward. I just, and when I spent time in God's word, it felt like I was just reading a book. It didn't feel like the, the living word of God. And, and I just honestly, students, I just got mad. I remember just getting flat mad about it one day. It like, why? This, I'm tired of this, and this, this is not. I'm I'm doing this anymore. So I drove over to one of my favorite little hiking trails in Tuscaloosa, and it goes down to this creek. And, um, and I, I parked my car, and uh, I left my phone in the car, and I took my Bible, and all I had with me, I have my keys because you gotta have keys to get back in the car, right? And, and so I had my keys in my Bible and I walked down my hiking trail and I went down by this creek and I just sat there. And I just made this like commitment in my head, like just stubborn, kind of arrogant commitment. I'm not leaving here until this is fixed. And so I sat down there for what felt like forever. And, and I was just, my plan was to just pray and spend time in God's word until this was sorted out. Until I I felt like like actually connected with Jesus again. And so I I started and and the the prayers came slowly and they felt kind of weird and there's stuff I didn't want to talk about. But as I finally made myself, I was praying out loud. I love praying out loud. I'm I'm talking to God about some stuff and and barriers start coming down and it just kind of gets easier. And I'm opening my Bible as, as passages come to mind. I'm like, where's, where's that thing about this? And I would go to my concordance, I'd find it, and I'd just sit there and read that passage and meditate on that for a while. And I'd pray about that. And, and just over the course of a few hours, literal hours, like things started to take some shape. And that veil that was over my heart started to break up a little bit. And I could finally see them a little bit clearly again. That was one of those moments we talked about a few weeks ago where I just, I didn't want to leave. I walked in, I walked down that trail, super far off, frustrated, like super distant from God. And when I came back from that trail, I I was, I was different because I physically did something about it. I know you want to see him. Are you physically doing anything about it? Because the desire is not enough, students. The desire is simply not enough. So. Zacchaeus physically puts himself in the way of Jesus. You know how the story goes that Jesus walks the path that uh, Zacchaeus thinks he's gonna walk and the crowd kind of follows along and Zacchaeus is up in the tree and he can finally see Jesus clearly, he's coming and and, and Jesus kind of comes closer and closer and all of a sudden like the outer rings of the crowd are encompassing the tree and the tree's kind of shaking a little bit as it gets bumped and Jesus keeps coming closer and closer and he's almost like leaving the road a little bit, making his way over towards the tree, which seems a little weird. And Zacchaeus is up there and he's kind of like staring at the side of Jesus's head and Jesus is smiling and talking to people and he can, he can hear the words, he can make out his facial expressions. I don't know what it would be like to hear the words of Jesus and see his smile, but it's gotta have some kind of impact on you, right? And so he's, it's, and then all of a sudden there's this moment. You know that moment when you're staring at somebody absentmindedly across the room and then you, you make eye contact with them and it's real awkward? And you're like, oh goodness, i hmm, Sorry. <laughs> I'm a super creepy kid staring at you My my bro. Like that's what happens the entire time I preach. Every time I'm like, I make, I just like bounce eye contact. And everybody's like, oh gosh. Like every time, like I just, dink, I got you. Right? She so looked away. So, and then at, so he has this moment with Jesus. He's up in the trees staring inside Jesus' face. And Jesus turns his head and looks at him. That's gotta be weird. And so if I'm sure Zacchaeus like looked away. Oh, sorry, I'm staring at you. It's awkward. Right? And then Jesus doesn't just smile and kind of give him, hey, how you doing? You doing good? All right. I'm to talk to my crowd here, right? He doesn't do that. He, he makes eye contact with him and keeps coming and comes closer and closer, right? And he, he gets to the bottom of the tree, and he looks up at him, and he calls him by name. He didn't ask him his name. He called him by name. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, why don't you hop on down? Uh, because not only am I talking to you, which is pretty cool enough, um, let's go hang out at your house, <laughs> I'm having dinner at your house. Um, I don't know if you like cleaned up or whatever, but God's coming over. Um, So I hope you did. All right. And they had this little conversation. Zacchaeus jumps in out of the tree, like, you know, full squirrel, like, oh my goodness, what? And he comes out of the tree and and they go over to to Zacchaeus' house and, and, and Jesus spends the day with the guy in the tree. He spends the day with the guy in the tree that's basically the biggest thief in town. He spends the day with the guy on the tree that was one of the only people that physically put himself in a position where he was going to run into Jesus. See, students, the truth of the matter is that I know you want to see him. I know you want to know him. I, want to, I know you want to know him more. But no matter how much you want him, he wants you more. That when you put in this much effort, he puts in all of the rest of it. No matter how much effort that you're putting into your relationship with God, he's put in every amount of effort and able to, in, in order to have a relationship with you. He literally left heaven and came here for us. Didn't just come here. He literally died for us so that he could have a relationship with us. He put in all of that effort, and all that we have to do is put in just our little bit. Reminds me of this passage, is <laughs> Reminds me of this passage like the the James passage we always talk about. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. This passage where he's promised never to leave you or forsake you. Like no matter how far you feel distant, he hasn't hasn't left. That's that sin in your heart. So I'll I'll, I'll ask you this. Well, as the the passage continues, uh, basically Zacchaeus is radically changed by his time with Jesus. We don't have time to go into all that. But he's radically changed by his interaction with Jesus. It's verse uh, 8 and 9. And you can read that on your own when you have time. But af- after he, he spends time with Jesus, um, Jesus kind of summarizes the whole event for us. He kind of puts a nice little bow on it, wraps it up. And, and Jesus says this about himself. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He said, "The reason I basically the reason I did this. The reason I want to come meet with a guy like Zacchaeus, the reason he wants to come meet with people like us is because the reason he came is to seek and save messed up people like you and like me. I know you seek him. I know you want to seek him. I know that it feels hard to seek him. He's seeking you harder. He came to seek you out and to set you free, to forgive you of all your stuff and make you new again. Desire is not enough, students. You've got to put some physical effort into this. And whatever amount of physical effort you do put into it, he will honor that. So I want to give you a couple of challenges. For those of you who are here, for the same reason that Zacchaeus, uh, I a tree, that you don't know Jesus yet, but you just want to like get your eyes on it and try to figure this thing out, figure out who he is. You don't, you don't, you don't like really know him yet. You haven't trusted him with your life or anything. You're just trying to figure it out. For you, I would, I would say this. We would love to help, and that's all we want to do. If you ask somebody for, around here for help, nobody's going to shove anything down your throat. Nobody's going to push anything on you, or nobody's going to be super weird to you. But basically, we just, we, we've been further down the path. We've actually met the guy. We would like to tell you what that is like. If we can answer questions for you, please ask. So when I was talking about that, about that fear of asking questions, I'm talking about that 10th grade boy sitting out there on those steps and getting clarity. If something inside of you is like, man, I would love to do that, but I'm super scared of talking to that guy or anybody else. Don't let that little fear be the thing that keeps you from Jesus. So my challenge to you is that tonight, before you walk off this campus, before you drive away from here, that you ask a friend, you ask your small group leader, or you ask me, hey, can we talk? And maybe you have one question. Maybe you have 600. We'll cover as much as we can, and we'll be as helpful as possible. And that's all I ask you to do. Just say, hey, can we talk? But for those of you in the room who are Christians, um, you know him. And there's been some stuff that's gotten in the way between you and him, and, and I get that. So just in your mind right now, focus on what, what is it that's blocking your view of Jesus? Is it some busyness? Is it laziness? Is it sin? Is it that, that heart veil thing? Like, what's your deal? What's, what's got you feel like you're pushed way in the back while everybody else gets to go hang out with Jesus? What is that? I would, I would, I would I'd say this. You've got to put some physical effort into your faith. Desire is just simply not enough. So as our band, as our band comes up, I, I just want to challenge you to do this. Your assignment is to Do something. Do something about that veil. Do something about your heart. So as our, that's the reason we, our band's gonna come lead now. And I'm gonna get out of their way so they can do their thing. Um, that's the reason our, our band's coming right now is because uh, right now you have an opportunity to get to uh, sing along with, with them some truths back to Jesus. And I know that a lot of times when we come into places like this and they're gonna sing some songs, you just feel that deadness in your heart. When Tozer talks about that inner veil, he also talks about how the invitation of the New Testament, the invitation of the gospel is to push past that veil into an experience with Jesus where you actually get to know him and understand him and and experience the fullness of what he intended for you to experience in relationship with him. But you have to push past the veil. So as our band leads, that's my challenge, push past the veil. Push yourself. And you know what that means. You, you remember those moments? You remember those moments when it felt real and when there was honest worship coming out of you and you weren't weirded out by somebody standing next to you? So in a second, when I ask you to stand up, I'm going to ask you to spread out around the room. And so I've got like a very clear challenge for you. You have to push past the veil with our band as they leave. But tomorrow there's no band. There's no like weird wavy thing in the background. There's no cool lights when you go to school tomorrow. What are you going to physically do tomorrow to put yourself in a place where you're going to encounter Jesus. Are you physically going to do anything? Or are you going to wake up tomorrow and be like, man, I would love it if I got to be closer to Jesus today and then do absolutely nothing about it? Don't let that be. Do something. Stand up. Grab some space all by yourself where nobody's going to distract you. Just all, all your own. Spread on out. If there's a big chunk of carpet next to you that goes stand in it, I want you to not be able to touch anybody if possible. Try not to be able to touch anybody. That's awesome. So some of the songs we're going to sing, you're going to know. And if you know those songs, then my, my hope, you're going to pull a white like, sound for right? it. If, if, if you know the song that we're singing, my hope is that that you would just be able to shut out the world for a little bit and just, just close your eyes and honestly worship. And if you don't know, then you can read the songs. I'll go off the screen or whatever, but as best you can do. push past the veil. It's just that simple. The invitation's already been there. All the stuff's already been paid for. He's come after you more than you could ever come after him. Just, just do it. <laughs> Let go. Let me pray for you. Band. I'll God, um, there's a lot of things that stand in our way. Sometimes there's a lot of things that stand in our way when we come out of a, a day of school. But God, um, at any moment that we choose, we can push past that veil and we can encounter you in a real way because you've enabled us to do that. So God, may this time be one of those moments. No matter if, if it's been years before somebody in here has, has actually pushed past that and experienced you in a real way, or if it's just been like a week, whatever the deal is, God, help us to honestly worship, help us to push past the veil. And for those students in here who are who know that their challenge tonight is to talk to an adult, God, tug on their heart. Don't let them leave here without talking to a friend or me or one of their smaller players. We'll thank you for it. Jesus' name.